Morning, Alan. I'm Graham. Thanks. And how are you keeping? Because you, you retired from the National Airwaves, didn't you? We would have seen you daily. You were known as the winking weatherman, which you'll never be. And thanks to Bull Island, you'll be forever commemorated in history there. A while ago now, there'll be lots that, of youngsters wondering who you're talking about. But what I'm saying is you, you had this almost iconic status and uh, yeah. uh, and you decided to move away from it. And how have you been since? Well, it's, I've, been, I've been fine. I mean, in terms of my television work, like that ended in 2008 when I moved on to be head of forecasting. And then in 2017, I retired from, from Metairn. Um, since then, I've been very busy with other stuff in meteorology, working on a lot of different projects, uh, which is good. It's a different way. It's a, it's a way to use my experience uh, in, in other contexts, mostly working internationally, to be honest, even though, of course, like all of us in the last couple of years, it's been working from the desk at home all yeah. the time. Yeah, But you found that your, your, your time is well and truly occupied. Then. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 And I mean, you must have been a pain in your you know what from being asked, well, what's the weather? I suppose when people would have met you, Jar, because TV, unlike radio, radio can give you some form of uh, privacy, but television gives you none because everyone none. knows you. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a privilege, really. You know, that people look at you, they regard you as some kind of a friend or a friendly face, at least. And 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 you know, they're interested in the weather. Obviously, some people more than others. Some people just say it for a bit of crack. Some people are actually very interested in what it's going to be like for the next few days. Uh, so you have to try and. I mean, that's just part of of the job, really. And how do you feel about it? Are you still asked if you if you get petrol, would people still come over to you? Yeah, occasionally, occasionally, but not so much now. You know, it's, yeah. it's a good few years since I've. Been been involved in that end of the business and uh, yeah but you are called from time to time to, to to do documentaries, aren't you? They haven't forgotten yeah. about you totally. No, I've been working a bit with with a few companies in in uh, doing work on climate change. Obviously, we did one on on um, on the Greenland. We had to had, got to visit Greenland, in fact, which was a great experience. That was about three years ago before COVID intervened. Yeah. Uh, and we did one there recently on on looking at power options for you know what Ireland will be like. We were down in Money Point and looking at what was that, that was going to develop into over the next few years because of course Pony yeah. Point is a huge burner of coal and it has to become something quite different if we're to progress with climate change. Well it is World Meteorological Day which is a bit of a mouthful for me to yeah. present but so far I've managed to get through it but we have already a question um, in from a listener and 0539145222 or text us on 0873737956 This listener says probably a silly question for Gerald but if heaven forbid Putin decides to use chemical and nuclear warfare is there any danger that with a strong wind heading in our direction. It could blow the fumes here and the rest of Europe poisoning us all. We've had Sahara sand travel over here, so it's not beyond the realm of uh, possibility. And I'm worried about this. And it's right to be concerned. I mean, we had the experience of Chernobyl, which was in the Ukraine, of course, and, and some of the radiation from that did reach Ireland. It's not, unfortunately, as simple as like a straight line moving from east to west, you know, when, when air uh, pollutants like that go up into the atmosphere, they can follow a very circuitous route, mm. uh, and then depending on whether rain comes, rain will wash them down. If, if rain doesn't come, they'll stay in the atmosphere and move somewhere else. They'll eventually all get washed out. So there's a lot of factors to take into account, but it's certainly a possibility, and it's certainly something to be careful of, and I'm sure that uh, my old friends in what was called the Radiation Protection Institute in Ireland will be keeping a very close eye on, on readings and that over the next while. Tell me about your old friends in this institute you just mentioned there. So the, the RPII, which is now part of the, uh, the Environment Protection Agency, of course, headquartered yeah. out in Johnstown, but the, the radiation people are up in Dublin. They have a network of sensors around the country where they take samples, and they also have access to international networks where observations are taken of radiation levels, and they'd be watching those closely all the time. Yeah. And they're part of uh, what's called the IAEA, the 
International Atomic Energy Agency, which is really uh, based in Vienna. It's an international agency which is there to oversee radiation and its effects and, and to effectively keep it under observation and keep it under control. Look at the weather we've had in Wexford over the last, uh, particularly the festive period. Mm. Do you, apart from your national overview and your global overview, do you look at County Wexford and what sort of weather we've been having? And if so, what do you make of it? Uh, it's been, I suppose, typical enough in the last couple of days, particularly when the high pressure comes in, we tend to get lower temperatures than the rest of the country because the wind comes off the southeast, comes off the, the, the sea, and even though we're getting the longer days now, it's still March, and that wind still has an old cut to it, as you know, if you walk down the quay. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty typical of, of March weather. Obviously, the, 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 the heavy rains we had uh, Christmas Day, and then we had a couple of other days of very heavy rain since that, I think one in January and one about three, four weeks ago. That again is, that's not so much typical of, of Wexford weather, but it's typical unfortunately of what we're moving into where when rain comes it can be very intense and very heavy and we know in Wexford that we get our heaviest rain on southeasterly winds when we have weather systems kind of to the south of us driving the the warm moist air up onto our coast and unfortunately those events look like they're going to produce more and more in terms of heavy downpours. That's a problem. Well now let's look at World Meteorological Day established in 1961 to commemorate the World Organisation created on March the 23rd 1950 Um, and they announce a slogan every year and the slogan is early warning and early action Mm. and this year's theme is what Gerald? So what that's about really is that our our attitude and our approach to what we call disaster risks, disaster risk management has changed. So it's gone from being what we might call the fire brigade approach. So something happens and we all rush over to try and fix it, mm. to try and anticipate what's going to happen and put in place measures to stop that happening or to stop the impact. We can't stop the weather, obviously, and we can't stop other things like uh, earthquakes and landslides and whatever that come from the natural world. But what we can do is try and anticipate them and stop the impacts of them. So this would be like flood defence works would be part of that, uh, helping people I mean, on a different scale, because uh, I work a lot now in, in parts of the developing world, so you've got farmers who are working in places which are very vulnerable to flooding, but if they can access, say, micro-insurance or something like that, which yeah. covers them for the losses on a bad year, uh, that can help them stay in business, you know, and okay. so a bad a bad year or a flooding event won't put them out of business completely. It, it's uh, things like that. Some of them are hard infrastructure and some of them are more societal things which help people to become more resilient and communities to become more resilient against weather events. All right. Uh, uh, the increase of floods in County Wexford, we've already alluded to that. Do you, do you yeah. foresee more floods coming our way? It, it, it's inevitable. You know, it's inevitable. It? I, I think so. I mean, Wexford's a pretty low-lying county and as we know, a lot of the, the land, the slob land, and, and areas are effectively reclaimed from the sea, so they're they're even below sea level. So as sea levels rise and as the downpours tend to get more intense, uh, it's going to be a, a growing problem, I think, for us. Yes. Yeah. The obvious question that people want to be put to you is: We have a beautiful spring day here. Are we going to have a good summer? And I wish I knew, but I don't. You don't because <laughs> you you can only predict, can't you? I think fellow forecasters have told me two weeks. Is that it? That's about it. There's efforts now to go into monthly forecasting, and some of those are. are becoming better and better. So all the time we're trying to push the boundaries of forecasting further and further into the future. Now seasonal forecasting, looking like you say at the summer or the, mm. the, the autumn or whatever, it's actually quite good in some parts of the world where the weather is more tuned to the sea temperatures because it's the sea temperatures that really have yeah. a huge effect on the seasonal weather uh, changes. So in parts of the tropics, 
seasonal forecasting can actually be done to a reasonable level of skill. But in this part of the world, where we're in the extra tropics, when we're in the very much more mobile weather, where we've got all these Atlantic weather yeah. systems, it's really not possible yet. Beyond two weeks? Beyond a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's getting getting to, to a month now, we're getting some sort of skill in the monthly forecast. Yeah, th- there's another question in relation to the weather as well. Farmers are being encouraged to sow crops this mm. year, but a wet summer could have a nev- negative impact on growth. So... That, that's a kind of it's a catch-22 situation, isn't it? The farmers face this every year, you know. The yeah. harvest, like you could have yeah. a good harvest or a bad you harvest. You could have a good harvest, you could have a bad harvest. Uh, you know, I spent so many years, really loved going to it, the National Ploughing Championships and, and talking to farmers there always in September and you'd always have mm. a chat about how the year had gone. And, you know, as one fellow would say to me, I really wanted rain over in that field, but <laughs> no rain over <laughs> in that field, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the nature of farming, you know. They're, they're you you so must dependent. have one or two little anecdotes there through the years of, of stories like you just shared with me there where if I, I suppose they almost de- demanded from you to give them the answers oh and, they do yeah. they do I mean <laughs> some of them would want you to come out and turn a few cocks of hay with them themselves if, if, you, <laughs> if you get out there yeah. but uh, oh yeah you meet some some rare old characters at that you yeah. know uh, especially in the early years when um, and for farmers who, who live in many ways uh, and COVID hasn't helped us of course or have lived in, in the past particularly a very um, solitary life solitary life yeah, you know, yeah. they're on the farm working away all week and, and they don't tend to go away or they didn't at least tend to go away for holidays with family or anything like that but when they'd go out to the ploughing championships or go out to a match like it was a day out and they were yeah. always in great form and they, and they have the Kilag show back this year because Betty great. has pro- promised Kilag is back and that's that's our own spring show isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely yeah. yeah great event great yeah, event our own ploughing championship yeah. Kilag is back and you, you enjoy days like that don't you? I do yeah. I do yeah. uh, I mean it's, it's part of what we are it's part of our our connection with the rural areas yeah. the countryside I mean we're becoming more urbanised as a country like every other country yeah. and the numbers of people working on the farms are fewer and fewer but we've all still a very strong connection to the land back through one, two generations, probably no more than that for most of us. Uh, look, CC, climate change, when I mention COVID or climate change, I know people go, oh, not again, because people are tired talking about it, and yes, they, they're still out there. It's still out climate there. change, what's your view on where we're heading and what we're at at the moment? We're, we've put in all the right theory and, and, and policy, but we're, our actions are a long way behind where they should be, unfortunately. I mean, talking globally and, and, and also nationally, that we need to be moving a lot more quickly towards the, 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 the zero carbon economy uh, and it has to come yeah. and, and you know if we get there ahead of others we'll be doing we, we'll, we'll benefit by it so by being laggardly and, and slow we're only just going to create the problems greater problems for so ourselves. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do locally then? It's uh, obviously try and, and minimise our use of, of fossil fuels so I mean there's things we can do ourselves and there's things that need to be done at national level or even at county level uh, so I mean certainly um, insulating all our houses and cutting down on our use of, of, of heat our need for the need of, for heat obviously we'll still have winters we'll still have to have some form of heat yeah. moving towards uh, electrical energy or oh, electricity is still a lot of it generated through coal and oil in this country so that's why we need those big wind generators and all of those kind of renewable energy forms and solar panels and solar farms and that. I know they're not popular in many cases for lots of reasons, aesthetic reasons, but we really have to live with the energy we get from the sun. And in this country, most of that effectively is either solar energy or wind energy. 
uh, and we have to be learn to live off those two sources of energy. And there's plenty of it there, yeah. but we have to have the technology to harvest it and feed it into our homes. You are getting from you, the dialogue is there, the agreement is there, but the action needs to come. The action needs to come, and needs to come very quickly. Um, I mean, the government have a lot of ideas and good ideas and good plans, but but we're so invested in, I mean, globally, particularly in the Western world, in in the oil economy and the carbon-based economy. It's very hard to wean ourselves off it. It's very difficult because it's been driving our economic growth for the last century. Hmm. So that's the challenge. Great to talk to you, Ger- uh, Early action, early warning, that's uh, the theme of today. Bef- before we conclude, we were speaking off-air about the passing of someone we both knew very well, Nicky Furlow. In fact, on this beautiful sunny spring day, I well remember the last broadcast I did with him was he took me to the air bases out around uh, where the Riverside Park Hotel is now at the moment, or the Riverbank House Hotel, I should say. Um, he was a wonderful man, wasn't he? he and was. you knew him too because you've been involved with the arts as well, been haven't you? through the arts centre. I knew him, obviously, he would have been friendly with my parents of that generation and so on uh, and no, no others of his broader family uh, as a writer you know in the People paper many years ago and that you'd always turn to his column even as a youngster and recognise that this was a different type of writing a different level of writing to the other the journalism I suppose that was going on in the other pages and he's just his knowledge of local history and his interest in it and his yeah. engagement in it were, were tremendous um, he, you know he's left a tremendous legacy in terms of the books and in terms particularly of, of those um, pictorial books he put together with John Hayes of Wexford in the old times and so on and so many memories there and you know I'm afraid you and I are probably old enough to remember some of those times you we know? are yeah. Uh, yeah but they bring it back you know they bring it back and we shouldn't lose sight of that because uh, yeah. you know the town has been here for so long and we're all part of a continuum stretching back and yeah, I'm delighted you paid him a little tribute because uh, it's wonderful that we were just speaking about him off yeah. air here. There'll be lots of tributes paid to him, but thank you for sharing that with us. Pleasure. Good luck to you for the future. Uh, any plans Thanks. for you to do some more books yourselves, or what uh, are you going to do? Books, I'm not sure about. Books, I'm not sure about. I have a fairly full uh, agenda of work at the moment now. Um, I was actually travelling quite a bit before COVID came in, and whether that comes back later in the year, well, we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, I mean, it's been nice in many ways to have not to have to be trekking through airports and that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time it would be nice to get out on the road again but again climate change we can't be doing too much of that either Great to welcome you to the studio here this morning and thanks for talking to us on this World Meteorological Day our very own Gerald Fleming good morning to you Thanks Alan pleasure